This is Emma Clark, and here for the Brooklyn Public Library's Our Streets, Our Stories project at the Park Slope Library. It's February 18th, 2016, and I'm here with Paula Silver. So where were you born? Oh, I was born in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Which neighborhood? What? In Bedford-Stuyvesant in 1939. Mm -hmm. And so have you lived in Brooklyn your whole life? No. No, I lived there until I was 11. Then my family moved to Queens. Um, so I said my parents had a candy store mm -hmm. on the corner of Stuyvesant and Green. And then it was a very hard life. You know, my father kept the store open six and a half days. And he opened it at seven in the morning and closed it at 11. and. He'd take a nap in the afternoon. So when they were able to, they, they sold it and moved to Queens. Mm -hmm. And um, in a sense, the candy store was my parents' way of, in a sense, getting themselves out of the Depression. Mm -hmm. During the Depression, my father had uh, hat business. He was his trade. He was a cap and hat maker. And he had a, can, a hat store on St. Mark's Avenue. And that business failed. And it was very hard for him to find work after that. I don't know how many years he was out of work or had just occasional work. But my parents had to go and live with his mother who had a brownstone on Vernon Avenue. Uh, Do you have any siblings? What? Did you have any siblings? Yes. Um, I was born six months after my parents um, bought the store. When they bought the store, my, parent, my mother was pregnant with me. Um, I have a brother who was born in that same location in 1945. And I have an older sister. And to tell you the truth, I don't know where my parents lived when she was born, but she's nine years older than I. And so describe the candy store for me a bit. I mean, you were very young when it was open, but- Oh, no, I remember many like, memories of yeah. the candy store. I mean, um, one, we had old-fashioned penny candies where, with a slanted glass showcase. And, you know, kids would look in at one of those and one of those. And we also had a very small fountain with three stools. And my father made malteds, he made the best malteds, and he made sundaes. And I actually have the secret of the exceptional malted, but I won't tell it. <laughs> um, uh, he made egg creams, of course. And we had, I think, three or four, besides the fountain, which had a marble, um, I don't know what you call it, counter, we also had three or four square tables with wire chairs. 
old-fashioned wire chairs with wooden seats. And um, we also had a counter that where cigarettes and cigars were sold. And um, we had magazines. And the comic books were in a corner. And I used to love to sit there and read the comic books. On the days they came in, I'd read a 100. Um, I used to, during, I mean, I remember the store during the Second World War. And we'd have air raids and air raid drills, and everything would go dark. And air raid wardens would come around. They were the only people who had a little flashlight going on the floor. And um, in the store, I said, we sold cigarettes and cigars and tobacco, pipe tobacco. And I can remember selling single cigarettes, which were called Lucy's. And at that time, they were a penny a piece. <laughs> you can say wow out loud. That's my sister's job. She was, as I said, nine years older than I was, was to make up the newspapers, especially putting together the sections of the Sunday. I didn't have a job. I just used to do it. But that was her responsibility, to make up the Sunday papers and put all the sections together. I, we had three wooden phone booths along one wall. And um, for those phone booths, we would get calls for people in the neighborhood. And one of us would go out and ring their bell and tell them they had a phone call. What else do I remember? We had a stand with newspapers outside the store, not unusual in those days. We had also um, like one of these metal ice chests where there were things like ice cream pops and Dixie cups, you've heard of those, mellow rolls. Well, maybe the mellow rolls weren't there. Maybe my father kept them at the, the soda fountain. Um, but, you know, it was lively. It was a neighborhood place, and everybody knew what it was. It's not like people whose parents went to work someplace away. And um, the neighborhood was majority African-American then. And, um, and the, you know, white kids were either Jewish or Catholic, and the Catholic being Irish or Italian background. Now, when I was in the third grade, I remember the first um, 
Puerto Rican kid to come into my class. So that was probably 1948 or 49. And I remember this so clearly. His name was Jose. And, but I saw he spelled it with a J. And that was inconceivable to me because it was an H sound. And he was a funny kid, a mischievous kid. Um, I was a goody-goody, um, except I was quite a dawdler. And walking from my house, we lived behind the store. That's another important thing. So my parents were never away from it, really. And um, walking to school, I was just a dawdler. I had to walk one block east and the other block, I think, I'm not sure what it was, <laughs> to get to my school, PS 57. And um, I remember I would just always dawdle. There would be like, um, how you call it, the hatches over the cellar grates, and I'd run up and down them, and I'd be looking at the plants that were growing in the, in the cracks in the sidewalk. And I was invariably late for school, although <laughs> I left in plenty of time. My mother saw to that. Mm -hmm. um, what else can I tell you about remembering that? There was a butcher across the street. In these blocks, and still to this day, the stores were on the corners. And the butcher across the street was Polish, and he was, I don't remember his name, Polish Catholic. And I don't think they didn't live there. And my mother was from Bialystok, but that was from a Jewish section of Poland. And so she grew up speaking Yiddish, and she learned a little bit of Polish in, um, when she went to school. And she was so proud of herself when she could remember a, spe a Polish word to tell this butcher. And on the other end of our street, there was a grocer. And uh, they were Jewish. It was a Lieberman's. And um, you know, they were good friends with us, and we were friends with the people who lived in the building we were in, um, especially my sister. I mean, we didn't have very much room behind the store. There was kind of two rooms, a kitchen and a bathroom. And so as my sister got older, remember, we lived there until she was perhaps in her junior year of college at Brooklyn College, that 
she, we rented a room for her upstairs in the apartment of one of our neighbors because it just wasn't enough room when she was older and she needed quiet to study and, and that stuff. Uh, we'll tell you also about the candy store and moving to Queens. My mother always thought it was quite an accomplishment that they were able to do that because they had those years of just being dependent on my grandmother who, you know, I don't know where she had any money from. She, when she came to this country, she was a widow and she married a man with six children. Oh, right. <laughs> well, it wasn't so weird then. And um, and so she had the house. She inherited the house when he died. That's how she got a brownstone from her husband, Mr. Glass, who was always called Mr. Glass. He was never called anything else. And um, my father was close with two of his sons. And one of them worked for us in the store. He would do his other job in the morning, which to tell the truth, I don't know what it was. And then he'd come in the afternoon and work in the candy store till dinner time while my father napped. But as I said, my father opened and closed the store. Um, what else can I tell you about the candy store? My mother said, used to say, oh, we made such a killing after the war when we got bubble gum. For years there had been no bubble gum. I don't know why, but um, they did get this I guess bazooka or something like that, and it sold like hot cakes, and that was exciting to her. Um, we didn't have a car during the war, although my parents had a car when they were young married, but also there wouldn't have been any gas, because gas was rationed. And oh, we had ration books, of course, and um, I had a school bank account where you'd bring in nickels or quarters and put it in your bank account every week. Um, we used to collect the fat from cooking and take it, I don't know where we took it, probably to the butcher. And they would use it, I guess, in some kind of way of fuel uh, I remember the ration books well. Um, you can see from the pictures that, of course, my brother had a high carriage. And I remember going to, there was the first Wallbaum supermarket 
was on DeKalb Avenue, and it was a good walk from us near the Bushwick Library. You know that? It's not called Bushwick. The library that's on Bushwick and DeKalb uh, maybe called it DeKalb, <laughs> but um, we used to walk there and she'd buy groceries and we'd put them in the carriage with my brother and take them back. Um, one thing I remember about growing up in Brooklyn, there were these real Brooklyn Day parades. And the Brooklyn Day parades were the, we used to call it anniversary day, because it was the anniversary of the public school, well, not public school, I guess the um, Christian school union founding. And it was mostly kids and baby carriages that were decorated with flowers that we made from folded tissues. And that was a day we had off from school and they had, they still is a Brooklyn Queens Day. And it, oh, it was a Brooklyn Sunday School Union. That's what it was called. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, both VE Day and VJ Day. Um, and not understanding if the war was over, how come it was over again? And until um, it was explained to me, and I remember people out dancing on Stuyvesant Avenue, everybody out and throwing, you know, torn up paper as confetti. Is this the kind of thing you want? Oh, yes. Absolutely. I remember the day Franklin Roosevelt died. I was at my grandmother's and I turned on the radio. Oh, I used to listen to soaps on my lunch hour from school. I used to listen to, and they were 15 minute soap operas. Ah Gal Friday and Aunt Jenny. Those were the two I used to listen to. And I was at my grandmother's house that day, and I went to put on the radio, and all I could get was classical music. <laughs> and I didn't understand it. And then it was explained to me. And, and I remember, I don't know what day of the week that was, that all the programs were changed in respect for President Roosevelt's death. And um, let me see something else about that. I remember the cover of the Daily News magazine section was an uncompleted portrait of him that was being painted at the time that he died. And that was on the cover of that. Um, I also remember the election for Truman and Dewey. And of course, in our family, everybody loved Roosevelt. 
but my father always said he loved Roosevelt and he voted for him, but he was a Republican. He, and of course, every, all the other adults, my, that is my sister and my mother, they voted Democrat. And my father voted for Dewey. And, you know, it, it made like, not real friction, but some teasing in the family. And then when Dewey, when Dewey did not win after the newspapers predicted he would win, it was an event in my family. Uh, what else do I remember? I remember so many things. Um, did you attend high school in Brooklyn or Queens? No, Queens, Jamaica High School. I, in fact, I, we moved after I finished the fifth grade in um, PS 57. So I had sixth grade and then junior high school in Queens. Mm -hmm. And I, on your form you said you were a retired biology professor? Right. So, so where did you go to school after? Well, I went to Jamaica High School. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Queens College, where I was a chemistry major, and I couldn't imagine what I would do as a chemist. I, I didn't, <laughs> I never really thought about having a career. I was just good at school, and I continued to do what I was good at. That was, and so I went to graduate school. I figured, well, I, I can't imagine what I could possibly do in chemistry. So. I decided I'd apply for biochemistry in graduate school. And I actually went to Harvard, mm -hmm. and, um, and I ended up in microbiology. And, and I liked that. I mean, but I was never meant to be a researcher. I didn't have enough confidence in that I really knew what I was doing. So I was really mostly a teacher. Um, when we came, we lived in Manhattan, my husband and I, when our daughter was born and we figured we better you know, we were one bedroom apartment, we get, get a bigger place. We looked all around. We never knew. He grew up in the Bronx, but we never knew about Park Slope. It was not an area we ever knew. Now, we had family, or I did, who lived on kind of Crown Heights side. And so I had cousins on my father's side who lived on Carroll Street, but it was Carroll all the way down, probably near Downstate or something. I didn't know this neighborhood at all. And, um, what else? although my grandmother lived on Vernon Avenue, and my husband, who was from the Bronx, his grandmother, no longer alive when I met him, had lived on Hart Street, which was also, you know, Bedford-Stuyvesant. 
and not far from Vernon. So I guess that's where people moved after the Lower East Side. Mm -hmm. So you moved to this neighborhood when you were buying a house? What? So you moved to this neighborhood with your husband? Yes, yes, we bought a house on President Street. Mm -hmm. Are you still in the same house? No, okay. no. It was, um, we bought that house, we signed the contract in 1968. It took us till 1970 to get into it because we were buying from a crazy lady. Uh, but there were a lot of crazy ladies around here in those times who told us the building was decontrolled. When we came to the, to the contract signing, and she had no decontrol papers. So then it turned out she had the right to get, get it decontrolled, but she hadn't done it, okay? Because she had done the conversion from a one family into apartments. So we had to wait till she got decontrol papers in order to close on the house. And how long were you in the house? Um, maybe seven years. And then my husband and I separated. And I'm, he was on president on the park block. I moved to Carroll between 7th and 8th. Mm -hmm. And I lived there about three years. And then from my half of the president house, I bought a house on 4th Street mm -hmm. between 5th and 6th, which I've been in for more than 30 years. And my daughter grew up in this neighborhood. She went to all public schools. She went to 321. She went to IS-88, which was a zoo. If I knew better, I probably would have sent her to private school for those years. And then she went to Midwood. And, you know, she's grown up to be an educated person. Mm -hmm. And I can't possibly understand why she didn't want to live in Brooklyn. <laughs> Where did she in Parks live? She lives in central Connecticut. Okay. She wanted, she didn't want to live in the city. She had an experience when she was in college where she lived in Vermont, in rural Vermont, and she loved oh, it. Love. <laughs> and she came back here and she had a summer job uh, working for, I don't know, the Department of Housing or something, or social work, social welfare, and or aid services. And she hated going to the area. It was like in the Port Authority, and people were hassling her. You know, she was a cute young kid. So mm -hmm. she said, how could you live here? <laughs> and I said, I like it. What do you like about the city? Hmm? What do you like about Brooklyn? Well, I can't tell you about all of Brooklyn. Well, what I like about Brooklyn is its diversity. Um, I think I like that the best. I like the high density of people. I like the fact that it's an ambulatory life. When I was first married, we lived on Long Island for a year and a half. And you had to get in the car to get a, 
bottle of milk or to mail a letter. And here, what I love is that if I walk on 7th Avenue, there's no way I won't meet someone I know. You know, and in the early years here, you know, we were connected in many ways. There was um, a babysitting co-op, individual food co-ops, not the big one that's on Union Street, where we'd go to the Brooklyn Terminal Market and get fruits and vegetables and dairy products and bring them back and divide them up and everybody took a share. But there were many community organizations and that's how we met our friends. And, and the babysitting pool was great. Um, you got, when you joined, 30 tickets. Each ticket was a half hour. So if someone sat for you, you gave them two tickets an hour. And if you sat for them, you'd get them back. And, you know, and you'd call the people you liked who had kids your age of your kid. And it was a great thing. It was very, very nice. Oh, and the most important thing it was a time of consciousness raising groups. Do you know what they are? And so um, most of the people I knew here were in consciousness raising groups. Um, they started at different times with different groups of friends. And we had one that was kind of diverse because somehow we hooked in with now, and they sent us people from out of the neighborhood who were, um, you know, slightly different backgrounds. I mean, we had an ex-nun in our group. <laughs> and we had an African-American young woman who had a very different background from us. You know, and it was great. It changed all of our lives. Uh, and my dearest friends come from that time in my life. No question about it. Because there were a lot of fights, there were a lot of this and that, but we really became intimate. We really knew each other. And it was a basis for great friendships that have lasted. That CR group began in 71 or 72. And, you know, I was going to buy plants in the Brooklyn Terminal Market with two people I knew from the babysitting pool, and they told me they got it, they were going to this meeting, and they said, why don't you come? I didn't know what it was when I went. None of us knew. You know, we just played it by ear. And people went through a lot of changes, and particularly changes in their expectations of their lives. And I think it was 
very much for the better. Hmm. Well, we are just past half an hour. Okay. <laughs> and that was wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I would like to say that from the time I was a young child, the Brooklyn Public Library has been very important to me. As I said, my sister was nine years older than I was, and she took me to that DeKalb branch to get my first library card. I should have said more about this. And I just remember how nervous I was because I knew how to write my name, but you couldn't write it in pencil. You had to write it in a ink pen that you dipped in a bottle of ink. And I was terrified I was gonna blot it and make a big mess. And I just loved the library. And, you know, I have a lot of memories of, of the central building. And mostly for myself as a little child, central was where I went with my sister, who was by then in college or something. But my library was the one on DeKalb and Bushwick. That was renovated probably 10 years ago. Although the Macon was closer to us, we never went there. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. So Thank I you. used to go to the also Brooklyn Children's Museum when it was in the old house. Mm -hmm. It was a little old house, a kind of, um, I wouldn't exactly call it a mansion, but I used to go there. And my daughter loved the Brooklyn, the, Brooklyn Children's Museum in its current incarnation. So, if you get me going, I could go for an hour, but I don't think. Well, thank you so much for coming to visit us. I really wanted to do it. It's, I mean, I'm interested in neighborhood history and. Um, I'm trying to get together this summer when I'm when things are quiet. I'm going to go on ancestry.com and find out. I know how my mother came to this country, but to find my father came as a, uh, a year and a half year old, and we can't find. My sister thought she had the boat he came on, but. We both checked the bills of lading of the boat, and they don't have a record of them. So I'd like to try and do some of that.